Well, tonight uh, you guys are blessed. Uh, Braden's going to be preaching for us tonight, and so uh, letting him have a chance to bring the word to us. He's done such a great job. So appreciate him and his dear wife, Brianna, and and uh, their kids and their love for the Lord. And he he does a lot around here behind the scenes, and so he's he's the second man around here making sure all the things uh, are, are, are running well, and he's just done a, done a tremendous job, and so it's a great blessing for him to be able to have an opportunity to get up and bring the Word of God, and so make Braden feel welcome as he comes and preaches for us tonight. Thank you, Pastor, and thank you, Church. Um, honest confession before we get into the word is pastors taught us well and uh, I was had a message in mind that I was going to preach tonight Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 through 7 and just a testament to his teaching and uh, handling of us guys on staff there's no way I could get it done in one message Um, it ended up looking like it was going to be three or four and I knew that wasn't going to be given an opportunity to get three or four of them out so we are changing course And if you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to jump into Philippians chapter 3. And when you find your your place, if you would stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 8 and we'll read to verse 14. Uh, The infallible, inerrant Word of God says in verse 8, Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. If we could read verse 10 together, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and stretching or reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this midweek service that we could come into your house and to learn of your word and to worship you and to give praise and glory and honor as we set aside this season to celebrate your son Christ coming into the world in the incarnation. And Lord, as we look at this passage. Lord, may we not just be hearers, but be doers, apply it to our lives. Lord, that we would um, take heart uh, from your word. And Lord, as we seek um, the the new year, that you would guide us, lead us, direct us, Lord, that we would have a refocusing and a recasting of vision uh, for our walk with you. And Lord, we just pray that if there's anyone here tonight throughout this building that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, that tonight would be the night of salvation for them. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. It was April 19, 2014. Some 36,000 runners hit the pavement for the 118th annual Boston Marathon. Following the tragic events of the year prior, if you remember in 2013, there was the bombing and there was three people that were killed at the 
marathon. There were several others that were wounded during this race. And this race was particularly filled with uh, a lot of emotion following the previous year. And in a story back, a story uh, book form and fashion, uh, the 118th annual race had a lot of uh, storybook moments to this race, beginning with uh, the first time since 1983 an American had won the Boston Marathon. Secondly, the other thing was this was the oldest guy to win the Boston Marathon in 83 years. And his name was uh, Meb Kowalska. Uh, he finished the race in two hours and eight minutes. And as he finished the, line, uh, the, finished the race, as he was crossing the finish line, there was a, a craze and a joy and a buzz that was going about as he crossed this finish line. There's many chants crying out, USA, USA, and he lifted his hands up joyfully and triumphantly as he crossed the finish line. Here in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21 tonight, uh, Paul uses an intense running analogy uh, for us to describe the Christian life. Having expressed his passion, as we see in verse 10, that was to know Christ, that was Paul's passion in life, was to know Christ above all things and to press towards that prize. The apostle now tells the Philippians that he is not stagnant. He, he is continuing to push forward. He is not content in his walk with the Lord. He is going to continue to press forward. He's not slowing down. He's still in the race. He's continuing to press towards the high calling of Christ Jesus. And as Paul explains this explosion of spiritual desire and longing, he tells the Philippians to follow his example and to take his perspective on the spiritual progress that still needs to be made. Here in verse 15, he says, Therefore, all who are mature should take this way, this thought that Paul has, and every Christian should look closely at this passage tonight, because Paul provides an inspiring and instructive path for all of us uh, to follow and to grow in our spiritual maturity. And the, the good news is tonight that there's not one person in this room who is fully attained. We're, we're all striving towards that mark. And so as we examine the text tonight, we should be provoked, I would tell us. Uh, we should have some conviction that comes up as we examine the text. I would say, however, we should not have any or feel any condemnation. Uh, however, conviction should come up, come up in this. There's a vast difference between conviction and condemnation. And what I mean by that is in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, therefore, or, This is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk after, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so we shouldn't feel conviction, or shouldn't feel condemnation, but we should have some conviction as we examine the text. When God convicts us, it is evidence of his love for us. And what I mean by that is he is working through us to conform us to the image of his son Christ. And then we see in Philippians 2.13, it says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And then in Philippians 1.6, it is proof that he is bringing our salvation to completion. He says this in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this one, this very thing, that which he hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And so, 
And when I step back, and I think back when, in my younger years, and, and sometimes maybe you were this way, you're like, man, I just, I wish I knew what the future held. Uh, you're sitting there and like, I wonder what I'll be like so many years from now, or I wonder if I'll have kids, or, you know, I was thinking back, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, and thoughts that would go through my mind, and if I could just see what the future held for me, that would be great. And in many ways, maybe we have thought, thought that, and maybe even now, we're like, I mean, I don't know what next year holds for us, uh, and what it holds for my family, uh, but oftentimes, if we knew all of the blessings and the heartaches that we would have at the beginning of the year, it would probably hinder us going into the following year. What if you knew that there was going to be a great hardship that was to come into your life in April of 2024? That would be all that you could think about leading up to that moment. It would be consuming. It would take over your life. Uh, life could potentially become very miserable in those moments and leading up to that tragedy that you would hear or find out. On the opposite side of it, what if you knew that there was a great blessing that was to come in August of next year? And as you're building up to it, it, it exactly would do the same thing. It would take over all your thoughts. It would consume you. Now, you would be wondering, what is this great blessing that is to come my way? It would be overwhelming. And then that would be all that would consume your thoughts and your actions. And it would be all that we could think of. And to illustrate this, this past year, some of us have probably lost a family member or a friend that was very close to us, and potentially even in a very tragic way that we had never expected. Uh, for me, it was March 29, 2023. Uh, dear brother in Christ, I went home to be with the Lord, and it was a shock, a total shock to many in this church. And I guess for us, it's better that we don't know the future, but instead to know the one who holds the future. And what I mean by that is, you know, it is life is worth the living just because he lives. Because we know who holds the future, we too then can stand anything and any trial and test that comes our way because we are rested assured in his hand. Um, here we stand at the gate of a new year. Uh, we have no idea of what uh, will happen in the next year in 2024, but I know who's still seated on the throne. And we look at the events that are unfolding in the world around us and we often wonder, how much longer, Lord? And, and we just say, even so, come quickly, Lord. And, and so that should be uh, the, the mindset and the heartbeat of us. As, as we look to this new year, we can take rest and peace and assurance and that Christ is still seated on the throne. And therefore, regardless of what happens, we must keep our focus on Christ throughout the entire year. Hebrews 12:2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews 13:8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3:6 is an assuring word for us, and I am the Lord, and I change not. Uh, Psalms 90 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And so Paul takes, uh, talks to us here in this uh, section of Philippians chapter 3, and he's, he's talking about winning a race and, and to gain a prize at the end of Philippians chapter 3 verse 16 here. Paul talks about forgetting the past and looking unto the future, and as we're at the precipice of a new year, we need to not get rested and slack in basically resting on what we've done in the past. 
Uh, we need to look to the future. We need to uh, have goals and, and keep things in front of us and as we press towards that mark. Uh, Paul talks about forgetting it, but he, he says that we should not ignore it either. Uh, we should not ignore the past, but we should not be consumed by what's behind us. And Paul was not saying to live in the past, although I believe we should take an honest reflection upon where we've been at and, and where we are going uh, to move forward in the new year, which brings me to our first point tonight. The first point is reflection. When we think about the month of December, oftentimes it's, it's a season of reflection. And when we think about this, and we reflect oftentimes at this time of year of the incarnation of Christ. We think of the Christ child who was come and born in the manger, and we reflect on God fulfilling the promise that he gave in, back in Genesis 3.15 that uh, Satan would not win and that he would put enmity between the woman's seed and Satan's seed, and, and Christ is the fulfillment of that. And we see in the season we often have a time of reflection of Christ in the manger. We often sometimes uh, reflect this time of year how fast this year has gone by. I mean, we think, like, and the older we get, the quicker it goes by. I just remember as a, a young man, at, you know, living under mom and dad's house, I should use man lightly there, um, but I remember time seemed to drag on, and then once we had children, it's like, it's a time stamp. I mean, it's like microwaved. It's going quick, and, you know, November just seemed to, like, in a blink of an eye, it was gone, and here we are in December, the end of the year. And sometimes we reflect this time of year, like what, how quickly the, has gone by this, this year. Also times that this time of year we reflect on major family events. Perhaps someone graduated or someone got married or someone passed on. Sometimes we also take the time to reflect on the goals that we established for this previous year. Did we meet those goals? Did we, did we miss some of these goals that we had set out at the beginning of the year and so the first thing we must do as we come to the end of 2023 is to reflect. And we see that's what Paul is doing here in verse 12. If you look at verse 12 with me, it says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I, or which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. And so Paul is saying, hey, I've not already attained. I have not achieved, and this is the statement of, of a great Christian. You know, Paul, who had three missionary journeys, started many churches, and, and was a great church planner. Uh, he, he said he is still not satisfied with his walk with the Lord and his achievements that he's made by pursuing Christ. Uh, this takes me back to a previous line of, as a sales manager with a company, uh, and many of you know it, Lowe's, and, and so this was many years ago, and I remember calling one of my salesmen into the office and talking to him, and we were going over his numbers and just looking at it, and there wasn't anything wrong with his, his sales performance, but what he took away from it was that I wasn't happy with his performance. He went back out and told other salesmen that he's going to fire me because I'm not making enough sales. And so, the, you know, the, the gossip, the word gets back around, and one of those salesmen came back to me and said, hey, you know, Ron's really upset over this. And so I chuckled a little bit, and I told him, I said, you know, Ron is our best salesman that we have. Ron is not going anywhere. Like, Ron is okay. But the problem was with Ron was that he got complacent in where he was at. And, and he had a, a, another level that he could go to. 
And sometimes we need to be pushed to that level, and, and, and we need people to, to, to sharpen us, to challenge us. And so I told him, you know, Ron's not going anywhere, but the problem is that we, he got stagnant and complacent in being compared to his counterparts. Now, they weren't nearly as gifted at Gab as, as Ron was in closing the sale, but he was underperforming to his potential, and it needed to be pointed out. And so how do we relate this to us as Christians? Many of us as Christians are self-satisfied because uh, we compare ourselves to uh, running the race that other Christians are running or not running at times. Usually, uh, we, the, the ones that we kind of make comparison to are ones that maybe not even making much progress at all. Maybe they, they're not even attached to the vine. Maybe they're not even Christians. And so, had Paul compared himself with others, he would have been tempted to be proud of himself and to become complacent in where he was in his walk with the Lord. We, often, uh, we are often warned about false estimations of our spiritual condition from the Bible. We look in the text of Scripture, and the church at Sardis, they thought they were alive. Yet God says they are dead in Revelation 3, 1. He says, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. They were the dead church. They thought they were alive. They thought they were doing the, the, the works. So they had a false perception of who they were. And so the church at Laodicea, they thought they were rich. And yet God says they are poor in Revelation 3.17 because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And so this church at Smyrna as well, they thought they were poor. Yet God says they are blessed and they are rich. He said in Revelation 2.9, I know thy works and tribulations and poverty, but thou art rich. They had a misconception of who they were and where they were at. And Samson as well, Samson thought he had his old power, but in reality, he had de- it had departed from him. In Judges 16 verse 20, and she said, the Philistines are upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out and at other times before, and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. It's probably one of the scariest texts in Scripture in a way when you don't even realize that the Lord's presence has departed, that you are no longer walking with the Lord. And so a self-evaluation can be a dangerous thing as we look at this text here. Because we can err in two directions. One, uh, we make ourselves better than we are. And secondly, the other side of that is we can make ourselves worse than what we really are. And so we need to have an honest reflection as we come to the end of this year and reflect upon where are we truly at in our walk with the Lord. You know, and there's areas probably in all of our lives, I know in mine that there's areas that I've fallen short and there's other areas this past year that I've excelled. And I'm not happy with where I'm at. I'm not compl- I don't want to become complacent and just stagnant in where I'm, in, where I'm at. I want to continue to press towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And so obviously, obviously here, Paul was satisfied with Jesus, as we've seen in uh, Philippians 3 verse 10, but he was not satisfied with his Christian life and his walk. He wanted more. He desired more. And so Paul had an awareness and expressed it in the words, not as though. And yet he 
um, and he had not yet attained, which is the, uh, a Greek word, and it means that the prize that he pursued, he had yet not become perfect in that. And perfect is, comes from the Greek word uh, teleato, which means to attain perfection, to reach a goal or an accomplishment. And so despite his rich blessings in Christ, the Apostle Paul knew that he was not perfect. His knowledge of Christ was still incomplete. Christ's righteousness had been imputed to Paul, yet he still needed to be cleansed of himself from all the defilement of the flesh. And when you read in Romans chapter 7, Paul's saying, hey, all these good things that I should do, that I know I should, I, I, my, my body doesn't want to do it, and the things that I don't, that I shouldn't do, my body wants to do those things. And this should be an encouragement for us tonight that if the apostle Paul struggled, we too will struggle in our Christian walk. It doesn't give us a reason to be complacent or to sin. However, it should help us to be um, to understand that we need to continue to strive towards that perfection, that we have not attained, that we continue to press towards that mark. If the chief of the apostles does not feel that he has not arrived spiritually, then neither should we. As we reflect on this past year, what mistakes did we make in 2023 that we don't want to repeat? What are some sins of commission that we did this past year that we don't want to continue in the new year? Perhaps an angry word spoken to a spouse or a child or a friend. Maybe an incorrect attitude towards a teenager or vice versa, the teenager towards the parent. Uh, some, maybe some sins of omission, some things that we didn't do this year that God has commanded us to do, like sharing our faith. Maybe there's some areas that we fell off in, in witnessing this past year um, and sharing our faith with others. Perhaps maybe it's a lack of prayer in our spiritual walk with the Lord. For some, it's a lack of Bible reading or studying of the Scriptures. And obviously, pursuing the prize of Christ-likeness begins with dissatisfaction with one's present spiritual condition. Those who feel that they have arrived, they will not see the need to attain to pursue Christ and to have a better spiritual condition. You ever done that? I mean, I remember my parents, they were like, hey, I need you to, and you're just, they, I was like, I know. And you're like, I know, and I have that now. I've got teenagers, and I've got a preteen, and I'm like, hey, and they're like, I know, I know. And they don't let you finish, and I'm like, okay, since you know what I'm going to say here, you're all-knowing, finish my sentence, please. And they're like, what? And he just, no, go ahead and finish. And then they don't, and then once you move out of the house, you really realize you don't know a lot of things, and you're calling mom and dad back, and like, hey, remember that time that you told me this, uh, and I didn't listen, I need your help now. Um, but here in this, you know, when we get in that moment where we think that we've attained, we become prideful and arrogant, and we can't learn, and we can't become teachable. Because we think we've already attained, we don't have any need for it. And so what this looks like a lot of times in our Christian walk is, I mean, many of you in here have been a Christian longer than I've been alive. I'm just saying, and I haven't been a Christian long. But I know that there, there's some that have been Christians in this room longer than I've been alive, and I'm trying to be careful in how I word this. But 
we can get set in our ways and think that we've attained and we've read the Bible and we know everything that's in it and we can't grow in our walk, but yet we have so much more to learn, so much more to gain. And the older I get, the more I tend, I'm starting to forget things. <laughs> I mean, it just happens. I'm like, I remember like my grandma, I get frustrated. Like, grandma, I told you this yesterday. And then I'm like, my kids are reminding me, hey, dad, you, we told you this yesterday. And it's full circle is coming back. And um, where I was going with this is it is only those who are aware of their desperate spiritual need who come to Christ for salvation. You know, when we think about those that are lost, they will never come to Christ until they know that they're desperately in need of salvation. They're separated from Christ. They're going to spend an eternity in hell. Until they know that, they will never come to Christ. And just like us in our spiritual walk, we will never fully seek after him until we understand that we desperately need him and we need sanctification daily. We still are being conformed to the image of Christ. We have not been uh, fully attained to him and his glory. Um, as you reflect on your life, do you see changes that you want to make in the new year? When we look at two, 2023 and you reflect on this past year, are there changes that you want to make going in to this new year? And what areas did you miss the mark in 2023, maybe spiritually? Was that reading the Bible reading? Was it, is it prayer? Is it witnessing? Is it scripture memorization? Uh, not forsaking the assembling together or, the, or coming to church, basically. Um, perhaps in the physical areas, is it, is it proper sleep, nutrition, exercise? Some people are into making New Year's resolutions and that's okay. I, you know, if you're into that and you can stick with it, by all means, do it. Uh, many set out with great intentions, but they tend to fall off because they're missing accountability. They're missing that, that, that accountability partner to come along and strengthen them. And so when we think of it, how else can we improve uh, on these areas that we fell short in 2023? But on the positive side of it, what areas did you do right this year? Did you, did you get your Bible reading done this year? Maybe you did fantastic in scripture memorization. This year was probably, well, the end of last year and the beginning of this year was probably the, the single greatest amount of time that I've spent in scripture memorization for my ordination. And I can tell you, it's benefited me so much as I've continued on and studied God's word and prepared things uh, throughout, you know, different lessons and stuff. It has helped me in my growth and my walk, and I can tell you that that's one area that I excelled in in, in 2023, but there's other areas that, that I need to improve and get better in. Um, so maybe that those were areas that, that you did well. What about areas, the physical areas? Maybe you did great in nutrition. Maybe you did great in exercise or sleep. Um, but I will tell you this, a divine dissatisfaction is essential for spiritual progress. A divine dissatisfaction is essential for spiritual progress. Think about the psalmist in Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2. He says, As the heart paineth after the water brook, so paineth my soul after thee, O God. Is that our heart's desire tonight? He continues on, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. And when shall I come and appear before God? Can we say that that's our heart's desire uh, you know, at, at times and seasons of my life that has been, and at other seasons it has not been. Listen, friends, that we need to emphasize that the positives, we need to continue to emphasize those positive areas that we've done very well in this past year, and we need to continue to repeat those 
and find ways to eliminate or change those unfavorable ones that we fell short in and press for better results in the new year. The second point tonight is repentance. Not only do we need to, do we need to reflect, but we need to repent. And what I mean by that is, you know, we need to repent of where we've fallen short or where we, we have taken a slack in the things concerning God, and we need to repent of the sins that we have committed. Whether they are sins of omission or commission, true repentance is a change of the mind, but that also leads to a change in action. You know, I can say that, God, I'm sorry that I didn't spend as much time with you in prayer this past year, but if it doesn't change my actions into the new year, was it true repentance? And it needs to be not only a heart change or a mind thought process change, but it needs to lead into action. Uh, and it's more than just a change of mind. It's a change of will and actions. And we must forge to beat our flesh into submission. You know, you ever done that? Like you thought you had a sin conquered. You're like, man, I'm doing great. And then that little ugly sin rears its head up again. And you're like, I thought I was done with you 10 years ago. And it just comes back up again. And you're like, oh, why do I still struggle with this? It's because the flesh. You know, the flesh has this way of just rearing its ugly head. You know, you think you've got it under control. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, and then you lose your temper. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um, but <laughs> Paul even said the following about his flesh. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, he says, But I keep it under my body and bring it into subjection. In Colossians 3, 5, it says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And when you see that first word there, mortify, it literally means to make dead or put to death or to slay your flesh. 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. And so we must uh, will ourselves. At times, we have to drag ourselves to the Bible in the morning to read. There's times when you get up and you may not want to read the Bible. You may not want to spend time in prayer. Can I tell you that that's the greatest thing that you can do to start your day off with is in prayer and the Word of God? Because if you leave the home without being saturated in it, it just, at least for me, it wrecks up the rest of the day. It's kind of the top button issue. If you get the top button wrong, like the rest of your shirt's out of order, and if you're lucky, somebody will tell you that, um, or maybe you missed a button. But again, it, it's, it lines up everything for the day. If I am in, the, in a right relationship with God and I spent time in prayer, spent time in His Word, no matter what comes my way that day, that evening, I know that I can handle it because I've set off on the right footstep that day. And so we must will ourselves to pray and to read and to study God's Word. Paul uses a Greek verb here that means to strike under the eye. When you, when you study this subjection of his body, it literally means a striking under the eye. It's a description of an uppercut in modern boxing uh, vernacular. It's to strike in this manner was generally considered a knockout punch. Paul saying, I'm knocking out my flesh and so this verb is a, a present tense verb as well, and it speaks of uh, that Paul is continuing to practice this daily. He's continuing to put his body into subjection. 
He's not going to give it any room to, to satisfy the flesh. And we also need to put our bodies into subjection continually. But you say, why? Why do I need to do that, Braden? And, and Peter alerts us to this fact that it is our innate, homegrown, fleshly desire and lust of the flesh to wage war against the Spirit. And in 1 Peter 2.11, it says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. And so imagine you're fighting an opponent, and you're coming out, and this opponent has brass knuckles, and you let down your guard. You're going to get knocked out. You're going to get waylaid. It is not going to last very long because you've let your guard down and you're going to get pummeled. And friends, tonight, this is precisely what happens when we let our guard down against the lusts of the flesh. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 9.23, And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, or take up his cross and follow me. And this is not optional. This is an explicit command to do this now and to do it effectively. Don't delay. It's not an optional command that Christ said, hey, if you feel like doing this, you know, maybe take up your cross daily. No, he says, deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. And just a thought, as, as Paul, he, he's, not, he's not forcing us to discipline ourselves. Neither is Jesus. It is up to us, and it is our prerogative to discipline ourselves. It's not Pastor Josh's prerogative or, or the deacons of the church or whoever's, you know, they're not coming to your house and, and knocking down your door and saying, hey, you must do this. This is an individual self-imposed choice. It's a decision of our will that we decide that we are going to follow Christ daily or we are not going to. The question each morning is, will I follow Jesus today or will I break or will I take a break and gratify my flesh? That is the question that confronts us each morning. Will I conform? Will I, will I give in to this flesh? Or will I follow after Christ today? And remember, our mortal enemies, the world, the flesh, and Satan, they are not taking, they're not taking a, a day off. There's not a ceasefire. There's not a truce. He told Peter, Jesus told Peter that Satan uh, looked to sift him like wheat. And, and so there's not a day off that we get in our, in our walk with the Lord, and we can never fall back, and, and neither can we if we seek to be more like Christ Jesus each day. We must take up our cross daily uh, by voluntarily submitting to die to ourselves. Paul said in Romans chapter 13, verses 13 and 14, let us walk honestly as, the, as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You know, there's, when we talk about repentance, and, and, and there's five R's to repentance. The first one is recognizing it. We need to recognize, uh, we must realize our sin and we need to confess it. First John verses 1, or verse, 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now that's the first R of repentance, is we need to recognize it. 
Secondly is regret or conviction is how we know the Holy Spirit is working inside of us. You ever say something, and I've had to do this in the past, and um, I think, guys, sometimes we struggle with anger, and um, just it, it happens. You say something, and you're like, oh, man, I've got to go make that right. And you have to sit down with your child and explain and explain that what you did wasn't right and you need to apologize and, and that that regret that is coming up inside it is a conviction that the holy spirit is working inside of us and that'll also lead to if we haven't recognized the sin then it'll lead us back to that first step in recognizing the sin the third r is relinquishment of sin it, this includes confession of our sins we've seen there in first john 1 8 and 9 but also Psalms 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Micah 7 verse 19, He will turn again and he will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and now will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. And this is where some people get trapped. And the experience I've had over the past two years in this new transition from youth to adults and doing more counseling situations, a lot of times what I see happen is, and some folks, is that they get trapped in this past cycle of sin. And they've confessed it, but they can't move on from it. They're in bondage to that sin. And God says, hey, I've cast it as far as the east is from the west. Yet they can't move beyond that. They get trapped in it. They they have to relinquish this sin over to God. You know, he says he's wiped the slate clean, but they're still holding on to it. And can I tell you tonight, if you have genuinely repented of the sin and, and asked God's forgiveness, he has wiped that slate clean, and it's time to move on. It's time to press forward. The fourth R is restitution. Um, this is making right what we have done wrong. It's going to that person and, and, and making that right. It is, it is seeking forgiveness. And then the fifth R is resolution. And this is to resolve not to commit that same thing again. And so this reminds me of Job and his resolve and his covenant that he made with God. In Job chapter 31, verse 1, he says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? And then in Ephesians 3, uh, 5, verse 3 and 4, he says, But fornication, all uncleanness, or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as become a saint's. And so, what areas of our lives do we need to repent of? Do we need to relinquish? Do we need to get restored and give resolve or resolution to going into this new year? If you're not a Christian, the only resolution, if you're, a Christian, if you're not a Christian in this room tonight, the only resolution that you can make tonight is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And not only do we reflect and repent, but the third point tonight is that we need to renew and refocus. Renew and refocus. And what we mean by that is renewal and refocus follows repentance. Awareness of the need is not enough. There has to be a change in action, and it must be diligently focused and, per, and pursued uh, after God. And so what we mean by that is Philippians 3, verse 12. It says, But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. And so follow after here is this, 
Greek word is dakao, and it, which means that to move quickly, it's to be energetically towards something, and thus literally pictures vigorous activity. It's not idleness. It's a, it's a vigorous activity pursuing towards that mark. Paul's figurative use here emphasizes the necessary action for each of us to vigorously, uncompromisingly, and continually uh, to pursue the habit of our life and press towards the mark of the prize, the high calling in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul was running spiritually to catch the very thing for which Christ had come after him for. In other words, Paul's goal in life was consi- consistent with Christ's goal for Paul's life. And you're sitting here and say, Braden, what was Christ's goal for Paul's life? Well, the answer is found in Romans 8, 29. It says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so the purpose was to make him like Jesus Christ. The purpose for all of us is to be conformed to the image of Christ, to make Christ known, and that's the whole purpose and why we are here to be conformed to the image of Christ and to make others know Christ and come to know Christ and then to glorify him and enjoy him forever. And so 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14 says, Whereunto he called you by our gospel to obtain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Christian life is a lifelong pursuit of Christ and Christ-likeness requiring diligent and focused concentration. A maximum effort without focused concentration is useless. Paul demonstrated where our focus should be in verse 13. He tells us in verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And so Paul here, he has this discontentment with his spiritual walk that motivated him to pursue Christ even more. It had become his one singular pursuit and focus of his life. And he expresses this as this one thing I do. Friends, should we not have the same focus and mindset as Paul here in this text tonight? If we don't, then going into 2024, we need to strive to have the singular focus now, Paul's focus was on his goal was absolute. It was his concentration. It was precise. Have you ever been around someone that is like laser focused? Like they are so focused in on something that you can't rattle them. You can't shake them off of that. They are so focused on the goal that is set before them. Like you could have like, I don't even know what come up and they will just continue focusing right in on that goal that they have set before themselves. They will not waver. They will not be deterred. They are continuing on. Um, It's like a bloodhound on a scent trail, man. They are just on it. They are not going away from that scent. They are tracking it. And so Paul's focus on this goal is the same way. It is such a singular focus. People who succeed in athletics and many other life pursuits. And you may have heard some this saying before, Many people dabble in much, but succeed at nothing. Do you know people that have, like, maybe they, they just get into everything, like the, a little bit here, and the next thing you know, like, they moved on to another hobby, or they've gone on to another focus, 
And they really never made much traction. They just kind of spent their wheels. And sometimes we don't make progress because we're afraid of failing. And can I say that our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter? We can succeed at a lot of things in life, but if we miss this, we've missed the boat. Uh, we've totally missed out. And so, again, our greatest fear should be of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Uh, despite of all the energy they expend, uh, these people, they, they accomplish very little. Uh, their lives are full of sound and fury. Uh, you may know these people, and they, they're basically busybodies. You know, they're, they're, they're busy about doing so many things. And it reminds me of Martha and Mary, right? And Martha was busybodied about many things. And Jesus tells her that, hey, Mary, she had the right focus. She did the one thing that was needful. She sat at Christ's feet. She listened. And she had done the right thing. Uh, James calls these people that are busybodies and about many things, he calls them double-minded. James 1.8, he says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And we should pray like the psalmist to avoid uh, a lack of focus. The psalmist in 86, uh, Psalms 86 verse 11 says, Teach me thy word, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. That should be a good prayer that we, we pray as, as we enter into uh, the, you know, our study of the word. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy way uh, and thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. And, a lot, and another thing is, we need to be like Nehemiah, the wall-building governor, when distractions come our way. Remember Sanballat? He, he sends the messengers to Nehemiah. He's up building the wall, and he's trying to lure him out to the plains of Ono. And as he's there, uh, he's like, he says this in verse uh, 3 of chapter 6 of Nehemiah. He says, I sent a messenger unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I live, or whilst I leave it and come down to you? You know, at times we need to say, I'm doing a great work here. There, there's far greater things that I need to be doing in the Word of God, in prayer, in the church, and to take some, some of the, the things of the world and put them on the back burner, because this is a far greater thing. It's a far greater work. It's, it's going to last for an eternity. And the things of this world are going to be burned up in a second. They will not last. And so when we have one goal in mind moving forward, to be Christ-like, to pursue the high calling of Christ Jesus in 2024, we are focused on the prize of God's high calling. Paul says in verse 13, forgetting those things which are behind. And I've done a lot of races, and a runner who looks back risks being passed. If he's constantly looking over his shoulder, he's going to probably lose some time and has a great chance of being caught. You'll see it in football games. They're looking at the Jumbotron now. They don't even have to look behind them. They're just looking at the Jumbotron. Is he catching up to me? And they're just pursuit, the goal line. That's where they're moving towards. And us as Christians, we need to have that pursuit of Christ. He is the goal line. He is the finish line. That's what we're striving to go towards. And so neither does a runner perform in the past races. You know, you can't 
a runner cannot predict his, his future race based upon what he's done in the past. He can't rely on those things in the past. He has to continue to train. He has to continue to improve, to continue to press forward. And Paul made a break with everything in the past, whether it was good, wrong, or indifferent. Paul said that he counts all those things but dung to win the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And we too need to break from everything in the past, good, wrong, or indifferent. We, you know, we may say, well, I've read through the Bible before in a year. Okay, we need to continue to read our Bible in a year. Um, you know, and it's not necessarily the, the, always the, the, the volume. Sometimes it's the quality over the quantity. Uh, but, you know, we, we can't rely on, well, I've done that in the past. I, I used to bring people to church, or I used to go soul winning, or, um, you know, I used to witness, and um, I've done D groups in the past, or I've done a life group in the past. We continue to press forward. We continue to march on. Um, they do not control the present or the future. We can't rest on the, 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 the fruit of the past. We have to continue on. Um, Another thing is we cannot live on past victories, nor should we allow past failures to debilitate us for future spiritual growth. You know, say, you know, there's, there's some people say, well, I can't memorize scripture. I just, I can't do it. And there might be some struggles there, but I, I guarantee you, if you make a goal to memorize a verse a month, I mean, it'll just start simple, like a verse a month. Um, the Lord will give you that ability, that, that power through the Spirit to memorize Scripture. Um, and you know what? A, a week after that, you may forget it. We'll put it back in the memory bank. You know, that's one thing I found out when I was doing the, the ordination process. I, I think I had it down, and then I'd have someone ask me, and I was like, oh, and Alex probably felt the same way this year. And it's like, I got to go back and get that one. I got to put that one back in the memory bank. So again, it's pushing forward. It's not allowing us to be complacent. God is interested in what you and I do now and in the future. I believe that Jesus gives us a clear picture of this in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And so here Jesus warns the excessive concerns of, of looking back towards family ties or, or lesser priorities of the things of this world. And he's saying that those things um, are just inappropriate for proper discipleship. The image is graphic for who can plow straight ahead looking uh, towards the goal and continuing to look back. Discipleship cannot be double-minded. Uh, Paul maintained his focus and we too should do so by reaching forth unto those things which are before us. It says reaching forth in the Greek is, the, uh, is a Greek word which implies or describes stretching a muscle to its limits. Um, anymore, the older I get, it seems like I can do that by sleeping. Um, I don't know if anybody else has that problem. The older I get, I, like, I wake up and I got injured sleeping. It didn't happen in the past. Um, but this, this, this picture here is that it's stretching a muscle to its limits. It's a picture of a runner straining every muscle to reach the finish line. And realize that the Christian race or the Christian walk, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so there has to be some discipline to it, but there has to be some effort put behind it as well that we're pressing on, that we're not just complacent in where we're at. The question tonight is, are we doing this? 
Are we straining or are we content to remain where we are? Are we allowing God to stretch us? Are we stiff and rigid and not willing to grow and be stretched to be used for God and His glory? Leonard Ravenhill said, As long as we are content to live without revival, we will. Pursuing Christ-likeness here and now and in the new year and beyond until we are made like Him in glory defines the Christian's life, uh, their progress, the, the target of their ministry. Uh, staying focused on the prize gives us proper motivation for the new year and beyond. And that's why Paul could say in verse 14, I press towards the mark of the, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And this I press towards is a present active, it's a continuation, it basically could be saying, I am pressing towards. He's continuing to do it. He's not resting upon previous works. The Greeks uh, use this the same word to describe a hunter eagerly pursuing his prey. You know, we're, we're convenient now, we, we can go to the grocery store, uh, we can even have food door dashed to us, like we don't necessarily have to go seeking after our food, like centuries past, um, which breaks Eric Howard's heart. Um, he's one of those guys that's still out there pursuing vigorously after his prey. But this is the same terminology that, that they would use of a hunter seeking his prey. He, he's going after it. He's continuing to track it down because if he didn't, he would not eat. And so a man that uh, does not become a winning athlete by listening to lectures, watching movies, reading books, or cheering at the games... He becomes a winning athlete by getting into the game and determining to win. And that's the same thing for us as Christians. We can't sit on the sidelines and, and hope to become greatly used by God if we're not willing to put in the work to be used by God. And he's called all of us to be ambassadors for him. Um, you know, there's, I heard a great analogy, like uh, speaking of sports, and oftentimes the, the Christian uh, faith can be, you know, there's a lot of people like in a football stadium and they're cheering on the 22 guys on the field, whether whichever side they're on. And they're like, go, go, go. And they're cheering them on. And like, I can't believe you gave up on that play. Keep going. They're tired. They're exhausted. And sometimes in the Christian uh, walk of life, at times there are people that are exhausted. There's people on the sidelines that are not in the game. And we need to all have a part in the game. We all need to effectively run the race that Christ has given us to run. The same zeal, think about this, the same zeal that Paul had when he was persecuting the church, he displayed in serving Christ after he had come to know him. The prize is what we should motivate us to run the race. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, it says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain that prize. And so we are to continue striving to run a race until it is finished when the Lord calls us home. And on that day, we, like the Apostle Paul, can say this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but 
unto all them that also love his appearing. And this is important for us to know tonight, that we reach this goal that he has established for us. I can't run your race that God has given for you to run. Pastor Josh can't run your race that he's given for you to run. You can't run my race. You can't run anybody else's race. You have to run the race that God has given you that he's, he's laid before you to do. And so no matter how successful we may be in the eyes of men, we cannot be rewarded unless we have apprehended that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So in conclusion tonight, in closing out 2023 and going forward into 2024, how did 2023 go for you spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally? Did you leave missed opportunities to grow spiritually? How will 2024 be different for you spiritually? I believe it begins with setting goals. I, I challenge us tonight before we leave here to reflect and repent and refocus and renew our commitment to the Lord. If you're here tonight and you've never called upon the, the name of the Lord to be your Savior, you need to do so tonight. There's no better way to end 2023 and to begin 2024 than to be born again. If you're here tonight and you're born again, it's time to reflect and renew your commitments to Bible reading, to prayer, to scripture memorization, to evangelism, to discipleship. I encourage us to be more intentional this coming year by spending time with God and His Word. Getting, into, getting plugged into a life group, getting plugged into LBC 242, um, to becoming a disciple maker. If you would tonight, if you stand with me as our musicians come and give an opportunity, a time for response and reflection, perhaps there's areas of your life that you want to grow in in the new year. Perhaps there's areas in your life that you did great, and you would like to come and give God thanks and glory and praise for all that he's done in your life this year.